It's a Mailbag Monday loaded show today. Cade Cavalli, future ace. Jackson Holiday versus Gunnar Henderson. And my favorite prospect that I was high on that disappointed. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And thank you for all of the questions. We do every Mailbag Monday solely from listener questions. Just about all of these today came from YouTube. So uh, shout out to the folks on YouTube for leaving comments and subscribing and sharing the show. We really do appreciate it. If you remember last Monday, we talked about potential aces in the minor leagues. And we talked, we we essentially left it at Grayson Rodriguez and Yuri Perez might be about it. One of the most common names that I got uh, in response to that was Cade Cavalli of the Nationals. Uh, so Jackson, you were the first one to suggest it. You get credit for this. Uh, let's talk about Cade Cavalli's. Um, 2020 first rounder. 22nd overall pick out of Oklahoma, 6'4", 226, so good, big fella. Uh, last year went from high A all the way to AAA. This year has spent the entire season in AAA. As of right now, um, stats on the year, 3.71 ERA over 20 starts, 104 strikeouts to 39 walks. Only three home runs given up. I think part of the reason that everybody was asking about Cade Cavalli is the July and August that he had. So the July specifically is the one. Fantastic year for the month of July. Three starts, 15 and two-thirds innings, seven hits, one run, unearned, so no earned runs, three walks to 16 strikeouts. August has been good, not as good, but good. Four games, 21 innings, 16 hits, six earned runs, nine walks to 27 strikeouts. I think that's why the July, the, the July was so good. I think that's why people are asking about Cade Cavalli being a number one. I'm going to frustrate a lot of folks here. And as of now, I'm going to say I have Cade Cavalli as a number two. Now, I'm not going to do that thing where I'm hedging and I say a two to a three. I'm saying a two, which is about one of the highest levels of praise that we typically give somebody on this show. Typically, it's say this guy's a number three, knowing that he might stretch to a number two. I'm saying Cade Cavalli is a number two, okay? So let's go back over the criteria to be a number one pitcher when you look at the scouting report. It's two plus pitches, one above average third pitch, an average fourth pitch with plus plus command, and then plus makeup. All right, now, Kate, let's look at Kate Cavalli. Uh, fastball is 70 grade, so it's better than plus plus. Um, I've got the slider. It's a looks like a cutter at times, but I've got the slider as a plus pitch, as a 60 grade. Uh, the curveball, power curveball, I've got that at 55. It's above average. Uh, the changeup, he's got decent sync on it. I don't love it, but it's somewhere between 50 and 55. So, uh, pitch-wise, two-plus pitches, one above average third pitch, and average fourth pitch. He's got that. 
I think the difference in a typical ace and Cade Cavalli comes to the command. And I know that somebody's about to yell into their their uh, phone or into their YouTube about he walked, what, three guys in the month of, of July? So seven innings against Lehigh Valley, three and two-thirds against Omaha, no walks at all. Scranton Wilkes Bar, five innings, three walks, three hits, no earned runs allowed. Here's the thing. For the season, for the season, we're looking at 104 strikeouts to 39 walks. And I think the thing, you can see the flashes of a number one. Go back to that July. I think one of the big reasons why that July looked so good is for the month, that was the only month that he threw more than 65% strikes. So there's a direct correlation when he's able to throw strikes, he gets dudes out and he keeps runs off the board. April, 59% strike percentage, 623 ERA. May, 60% strike percentage. 509 ERA. June, 60, I'm going to round this, 63% strike percentage, 405 ERA. July, averages out to 68% when you round it up, 0 ERA. August, 63% strike percentage, 257 ERA. So when he is throwing strikes and avoiding walks, he looks like a number one. But as you can see from the numbers, and he's gotten, I mean, he's been much better uh, July and August than he was in April, May, June. But when he can throw 65% or better strikes, when he's getting that little bit of difference, he looks like a different level of pitcher. So could he get there? Yes, he absolutely can. Obviously, he figured something out in the month of July. And over those three starts, he's looked fantastic. I'm not saying he's a number one yet because I want to see more sustained success at that thing. But obviously, he's figured out something. And he's right on the cusp. And that's why I'm not saying he's a number three, could stretch into a number two. I'm saying he's a number two pitcher. Because I think that once he figures that out, if he does figure that out, then he will be a number one and probably one of the 20, 25 best pitchers in baseball within the first couple of years. Uh, Jackson also had a question. Convenient, I don't know if it's because of the name or maybe this is actually him, I'm not sure. Uh, Jackson Jobe. Uh, so number one prospect right now for the Tigers because they've promoted Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. But 2021 first rounder, three, uh, third overall out of high school, by the, by the Tigers, spent the whole season in low A Lakeland. 18 games. Again, record doesn't matter. It's two and five. Record doesn't matter in low A. 4-5-2 ERA. 71 strikeouts to 25 walks over 61 innings. Uh, I think he has fantastic stuff. The slider, elite slider. 70 grade slider. The fastball is a plus pitch. Uh, sits 92 to 95. The changeup, I think, it's probably plus as well. I mean, it's got a lot of late, like late dive to it. Curveball is above average. It's uh, eleven to five. Gets decent depth on it, but he really uses it to set everything else up. So the arsenal is there 
to be a number one. Obviously, a lot of projection to go from here. I like the changeup can th- be thrown to both sides of the plate. Uh, the delivery is low effort. He's a really good athlete, really good baseball IQ. I like all of that. You have a lot of time between now and when he hits the bigs for this for this to to vary. The official prediction I think would be mid you know mid rotation guy number three or so. Understanding that a lot of things can change. There are some things you have to be concerned about. Uh, Twelve home runs given up this year in sixty one innings. So one every five innings. Uh, and it's it's that's something where to be a number one, you can't give up essentially a home run a game. So something we're going to work on there. A couple small things. I mean, walks are still a little bit too high. 25 walks in 60 innings. Uh, you know, so what's that? Three and a half walks per, per nine innings. Um, you know, small things to work on. Need to see how he continues to, perfect, uh, to physically develop. He is only 19 years old. But love what I've seen so far out of Jackson Jobe. And then um, Johan, who's in our Discord, actually followed up on a, a question from last week that Andrew sent via email about uh, recent draftees playing and said, is, is a, one of the reasons we see aggressive promotions a side effect of contraction? So if, if you'll remember, after uh, 2019 and 2020, we went from 162 teams to 120 official. Everybody has a single A, a high A, a double A, and a triple A. You're allowed to have a complex league team if you want to. You're allowed to have a Dominican team or two if you want to at the academy. Uh, That's team discretion. But I think that that is another reason why you see more aggressive promotions. There's less opportunities to move guys to tougher competition. It's just, it's hard sometimes to be like, well, this guy's, you know, tearing up rookie ball. We don't have a short season. We just can send him to uh, low A or high A, you know, or you see a guy like a Sonny DeShera gets drafted by the Angels, co-SEC player of the year, playing first base for Auburn. They move him to double A right away. And part of it is his age. He's 24. But part of it is where else, like, where else are you going to put him? You only have four levels and the upper, you know, and you can't put him at triple A. And so if you bring in a couple different guys who are all going to first base in DH, you got to have places to put them. And so you end up sticking a guy in double A. So I think that's part of it too. And then with catchers specifically, I think something you'll see is the automated balls and strikes has meant a lot of teams have moved their top catching prospects out of single A because they're just trying to keep them away from automated balls and strikes. They want them to still be working on framing, still be working on present on presenting the ball and all of that. In just a minute, I've got a question about Jackson Holiday versus Gunnar Henderson, as well as uh, my favorite prospect that I was high on that disappointed me. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You get your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games. You can get reviews and news of every league, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, golf, and esports. And BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, live in-game betting, scores, and more. They have you covered. So head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because BetOnline is where the game starts. Okay, so question from DSC on YouTube. How does Jackson Holiday's tools stack up against Gunnar Henderson's tools? 
So one, Gunnar Henderson, favorite prospect of the pod. Uh, number one prospect in baseball, depending on who you ask. So uh, I think Gunnar Henderson is better. At the same time, Gunnar Henderson should be better because Jackson Holiday is 18 years old. Gunnar Henderson is older than that. He's 21, I believe, birthday back in June. So when you look at them, they're actually very similar players as far as the raw tools and how they grade. Uh, the defense is similar, you know, somewhere around a 55 or 60 grade on defense. The arm is a 60 grade for both of them. I do think when you look at the actual grades, Holiday might be a touch faster than Gunnar Henderson, which uh, Gunnar Henderson has also put on a little bit of that professional weight and muscle. And, you know, a lot of guys tick down slightly when that happens. Uh, I do think because of that muscle, I do think that Gunnar Henderson has better power potential as of right now. I'd give Gunnar a 60 on power. And I'd give Holiday probably uh, 50 or 55. Um, I think they can both stick it short. And the big question for me is going to be how this all works out. Because the big league level, you're playing a lot of Jorge Mateo at short. You've got Ramon Urias at third. Uh, both those guys can play second. Kobe Mayo is was promoted from high A to double A as a third baseman this year. Now, um, was looking pretty good in double A, 68 games, sorry, in, in high A. Uh, 68 games, 251, 326, 494, 14 home runs, 32 extra base hits. Uh, 62 strikeouts and 27 walks. So, striking about once a game. Uh, but, he scuffled a bit on the promotion to Bowie. 178, 260, 267 slash line. It's only been 12 games. It's a small sample size, but still. So since Kobe Mayo hasn't necessarily run off with that third base job, I think that there is there is a, a lane to call up Gunnar Henderson for short, play Jorge Mateo at second, and leave Ramon Urias at third, and then you know, live, let Gunnar Henderson have a chance to stick at short. The Orioles haven't made a star shortstop since Manny Machado. Manny Machado is now a third baseman, but came up as a shortstop. I think Gunnar Henderson may eventually follow that path. I do think Jackson Holiday's probably going to stick at short, barring some sort of surprise in the development. But either way, I think that Henderson at short, Mateo at second, Ramon Urias at third, is the best lineup for the rest of this season while you're trying to compete for a wild card. Um, get Odor out of the lineup completely because he's not great, and that would give you Kyle Stowers is up, Adley Rutschman is up, Gunnar Henderson is up, and at the, right now, you are past the point where you would accrue more than 45 days in the bigs as of right now. So call him up now, let him play, and then next year, let him challenge for the job out of camp. And then when Jackson Holiday gets ready to come up, that's a situation where if Colby Mayo hasn't panned out or Gunners Henderson's defense isn't where you want it to be, you can look at moving Henderson to third and let uh, Holiday play short at that time. But you've got a couple years until that happens. You have plenty of time to figure out that decision. Okay. Daryl on YouTube, good question here. I enjoyed this question. A little track down memory lane. 
Favorite prospect that you were high on that disappointed? And I'm not going to pick a guy that you've never heard of that never played in the big leagues because that's no fun. But let me take you back to 2009 and 2010 when Jason Hayward was a prospect for the Braves. Okay, so 2009, um, spent time high A, double A, triple A. Listen to this double uh, A Mississippi slash line over 47 games. 352, 446, 611 slugging. Seven home runs in 47 games. 24 extra base hits. Um, 19 strikeouts to 28 walks. You heard that correctly. And so the thought process is, okay, he's 6'5", 240. They're having to put tents up at batting practice and spring training to not let cars get broken. Like Jason Hayward's going to come up. We already know he has the best strike zone discipline in the system. He's the best hitter for average in the system. Best defensive outfielder with the best outfield arm in the system. But he's a he's a big boy that can swing a stick. You're thinking this is going to be a guy. I mean, this guy's the size of a linebacker. You're thinking this is going to be a slugging right fielder who's going to challenge for the home run title and play exceptional defense and be a five-tool star. 2010, he spends almost a full season up. 142 games. 277, 393, 456. 18 home runs, 52 extra base hits, 91 walks, 128 strikeouts. It's a good season. It's a very good season for Jason Hayward. He never hit that on-base percentage ever again in his career. Not once. He came close in the shortened 2020 when he was one point lower at 392, but he never hit that batting average, that on-base percentage ever again. 2012, he had 27 home runs. 2019, as a member of the of the Cubs, at age 29, he had 21 home runs. Those were the only two years that he broke. Not only did he only did he break 20 home runs, those are the only years other than 2010 when he broke 15 home runs in the bigs. His home run totals, 18, 14, 27, and 2012. 14, 11, 13, 7, 11, 8. Just the home runs never really manifested. His career MLB slash line is 257, 339, 406. Respectable, on, uh, respectable batting average. OPS of 746. The average from 2009 through 2021 for on base, per, I'm sorry, for OPS is 729. So he was 17 points better than the league average OPS since he came up. And it was just something where being such a physically imposing player with such amazing power at batting practice, the fact that it never manifested, I think, was the biggest disappointment to me. Because... It was very easy to look at Jason Hayward and say, this guy is going to contend for MVPs. This guy is going to hit 40 home runs. This guy is going to be a machine. And he has had a very solid, respectable MLB career. But he never quite hit the hype that we saw 
when we said this dude looks like he could challenge for a home run title. He is massive. I mean, he caught the first pitch on opening day from Hank Aaron. Like, what does that tell you about the expectations that everybody had for what he was going to do as a big leaguer? It's tough. It was tough. In just a minute, we're going to get to a rapid fire. We've got a bunch of questions about individual players. We're going to go through them really quickly. Uh, but first, okay, rapid fire. We've got some questions about individual players. The first three come from Jackson on YouTube. He had a follow-up question after the Cade Cavalli question about a couple of players. So uh, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what the theme is behind these. There's a lot of interesting guys. So rapid fire. Outfielder David Calabrese of the Angels. 2020 third round guy out of high school. Uh, 226, 307, 344 right now in low A, four home runs, 28 extra base hits. So to me, uh, when I watch him, he looks like, I mean, he's got elite speed. He's going to be a base stealing threat. Feels like he's one of those uh, top of the order kind of guys. Not a lot of raw, raw power or game power. Going to be a kind of a gap, a gap guy, but lefty hitter can lead off, can get on base, you know, shoot one in the gap can steal, I think defensively, can be a plus defender, can just eat up ground in center field. 5'10", so not that tall, but just has the speed and kind of glides through the outfield. So can be a plus defender. Uh, Big question here is just going to be how much power develops in the profile. You know, 5'10", 165, little bit of room, not a ton to pack on muscle. So how much power materializes, but either way, plus defense, plus plus speed, See him, as long as he can maintain the speed, I see him as a guy who'd be good to lead off for you um, and would be a threat when he got on base. Second baseman, Ivan Johnson of the Reds. 2019 fourth rounder out of Juco. Started off at Georgia. Transferred after his freshman year to Chippewa Junior College. Same school as Cam Collier. Um, right now in AA Chattanooga, 261, 325, 428. Four home runs, 19... Um, 19 extra base hits. And this is something where he's more athletic than your typical second baseman. Um, but speed-wise, he's average. I, that's why I call him second baseman. I don't think he's going to stick it short. They've moved him some to short uh, to second already. Especially because you've got so many uh, shortstops in Chattanooga. I mean, Matt McClain and Ellie Dale Cruz are in Chattanooga. And then you've got just tons of guys in this system. We're going to talk about that a little later this week. And so... The arm's a plus. He can play third, but I like him at second better defensively. Uh, he, can be a little, he can be above average. He has a little more time to make a play there. The thing is, um, I want to see the power, okay? So, because, because he's a fringe runner, not going to steal a ton of bases. And, and so, you need high on base percentage, and you need good power to make up for the stolen base threat or the lack of being a stolen base threat, and the less premium defensive position. So I want to see him hit for a little bit more power. Third guy from Jackson was Jordan Groshans, the shortstop for the Marlins. 2018 first rounder uh, out of high school by the Blue Jays. And then this year, the Blue Jays traded um, him to the Marlins for two relievers, Anthony Bass and Zach Pop. Played a lot of short and third Toronto had been trying him in the outfield. And this is something where I do think defensively he's going to be better if he comes off of short. Uh, It's something where 
You know, 6'3", 205, a little bit of a bigger frame, and I know O'Neal Cruz is up and he's 6'7", but a little bit of a bigger frame right now, and I just think defensively he looks like he might do a little better, plus arm, so you can move him to the outfield to left or right. Um, Speed isn't great, so that's that's an issue, and that's kind of why I'm leaning towards coming off a short. Um, But I do think he's going to need to hit for more power. Like, find a better balance of contact to power. So this year, uh, 67 games in Buffalo in AAA, he was 250, 348, 296 with one home run. Since the trade, he's got 13 games, as of Sunday afternoon, 13 games in Jacksonville with the Jumbo Shrimp in AAA, 304, 418, 413, no home runs. So doesn't fit the power profile of a corner infielder or a corner outfielder, but doesn't defensively isn't at the place where I think he's going to stick it short. So something's got to give. He's got to significantly improve defensively or he needs to hit for more power. We'll see what happens. Uh, Lord Reven on YouTube. Shout out to the, I believe it's a Star Wars reference. Shout out to Lord Reven for the four, four guys here. And again, trying to find the trend behind a lot of these guys. Um, First one, shortstop Ryan Spikes of the Rays. So 2021 third rounder out of high school. And this is something, haven't seen a ton of him. Played 56 games this year in low A. Quad strain kind of um, delayed the start to his season. But he plays a good second base. 257, 335, 446. Nine home runs, 21 extra base hits. Out of a guy who's 5'9", 185. So spark plug. I like what he does defensively at second. He hits for enough power. I mean, 56 games, nine home runs, profiles out to be a 15 to 20 home run guy, which is enough to play second base at the bigs. He's going to have to continue to to, um, get on base more, which means bring down the strikeouts, 80 strikeouts in 56 games. Again, slow start to the year because of a quad strain. So, you know, working on timing early in the year, things like that, but... Plays a good uh, plays a good second base, and again, if he could get on base a little bit more, strike out a little bit less, I see him as a guy who could contribute, provided the development all works out correctly. Shortstop Matthew Lugo of the Red Sox, 2019 second rounder. They they spent a, like 1.1 million dollars to buy him out of a um, buy him out of a college commitment. And it's something where 6'1", 185, went to the, um, like, was in Puerto Rico at the, I believe it was the, was it the Carlos Beltran Baseball Academy? Yeah. And so this year in high A, 269, 323, 486. Um, 15 home runs, 46 extra base hits. Had to do the math real quick. Uh, 13 of 19 on stolen bases. I like the power that he shows. Um, he does hit a lot of ground balls. So he, I mean, he makes a lot of contact. It's just, it's either a home run or a ground ball. <laughs> and so I want to see him work a little better on not putting the ball on the ground so much. But good average on base can be a little higher. He had 83 strikeouts in 95 games. To 29 walks, but good power. I like the slugging numbers. Uh, I think he'll probably stay at Greenville the rest of the year. You just don't get a ton of game exposure in Puerto Rico, and so you don't necessarily have a ton of time to to 
do everything. But I see him as a 18 to 20 home run guy in the bigs. Defensively, uh, he's been good enough so far to stick it short. I don't know long-term whether he will or not. So that's a question. Uh, Rosamar Quintana of the Nationals. Um, so 2019 IFA, haven't seen a ton of him. Corner outfielder. Uh, he needs the power to kick in because he doesn't walk a ton. And so his second year in rookie ball at 19 years old, 47 games, 302, 356, 462, five home runs, 16 extra base hits. Has drawn nine walks in 47 games, 40 strikeouts. So he needs the power to kick in because he's not walking a ton. Defensively, um, I see him as a corner outfielder. Arm is fine. Speed is fine. Just not necessarily good enough to play center, I don't think. So um, one of those like extremely variable projections here. You need a bunch of power to come out to make the corner profile worth it. Especially because he looks like he's going to be a, a home run or nothing kind of guy. Uh, last one, Petey Halpin, uh, center fielder for the Guardians. Um, he was a third rounder in 2020. I think he was committed to Texas. And right now, spent the whole year at High A Lake County, 268, 354, 394. Uh, five home runs, 29 extra base hits, 16 to 22 on stolen bases. I love the speed, uh, above average speed, but it plays up because he does like good baseball instincts with it. Um, he's a line drive hitter, more so than a power hitter. You can see it in the slugging number being under 400. And so it's something where he's going to have to get on base plenty and the speed's going to have to hold for him to continue to have a projectable path to the bigs. Uh, Center field right now, arm is average. He looks good off the bat, like reads, routes, reactions. If he can stay in center field, I like the profile as a guy who can come up and can be a leadoff hitter for you. Uh, If he doesn't stick in center field, he's going to need more power to manifest to make the corner profile work. Woo, ton of questions. Thank you, everybody. Remember, if you have questions for the show, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm, or you can email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. If you've made it this long through the video on YouTube, go ahead and do us a favor, subscribe. It really does help the show out a ton. Um, great week coming up this week. Going to have a Brewer show. Going to have a conversation about some guys who need to get promoted before the season ends. Uh, and kind of go over some of the top performers in the minor league season. Uh, But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Um.